You're listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. Before we get started, we want to remind you to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Range Minded Podcast. And if you could leave us a review and some feedback uh, from wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else, it would really help us out a lot. So thank you for doing that. This is episode number 67, where we talk with the owner of Independence Indoor Shooting, Dr. Jared Heiner, who without him, we wouldn't even be doing this podcast. So we learn all about what it took to get Independence started, what goes into making a successful firearm shop, and what the future holds for Independence Indoor Shooting. Uh, this is one of the best episodes that we've ever done. Jared is a fantastic person, and uh, we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy episode number 67 of Range Minded, the owner of Independence Indoor Shooting. Hello and welcome to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. My name is Mark Long and I am joined by... Me, Steve Zimmerman. That was so loud, wasn't it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> was that too loud? Hey, it sounds no, like we got, got some of my headphones, uh, that's why. <laughs> we got somebody else here too, sounds like. Yes, we have a special guest with us, a very special guest actually, uh, uh, because without <laughs> him we wouldn't be here. I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, you guys are the important people here. Uh, I don't know. So, so can you introduce yourself yeah, my, for us? My name is Jared Heiner. And who are you? So I'm a, I'm a local <laughs> uh, Meridian, Idaho person. I, I was one of the ones that started Independence Indoor Shooting. The, uh, the founder and owner of Independence Indoor Shooting, correct? Kind of, yeah. We can we can <laughs> say that the bank owns it. I'm trying to buy it back from the bank. Fair enough, fair enough. But without you, I don't think any of this would be possible. It'd still be a yeah, tract of land. Per, yeah, that's true. Um, that's you were true. the man with a vision. Yeah, and I don't know that I had a vision. You know, like a well, not like a, a religious a religious style well, of vision, right, but you had a revelation. But <laughs> you had you a know, dream. I had a I had an idea. You know, and and I molded over for long enough and took a few steps towards getting it done. And then, you know, after a while, I, I would say before I knew it, but it was, it wasn't that quick, <laughs> but after several years, you know, it, it all came to fruition. Yeah. So can, let's just dive right into it. Um, how long did it kind of take to from idea to having the building open up? It took about, let's see, six years. Wow. That's a long time. Yep. That's six years time. from, from, you know, thinking about it and, and starting to investigate, you know, investing time and effort into research and see what it would take. And, and then taking those steps to having the building done and the store open was about seven years. That's a long time. That's a lot of dedication. So, yep. Well, and I, th I think it's evident when you walk in, to a store like independence i've i've been to a lot of ranges and you've probably been to way more than i have and you can really tell the difference going into pretty much any indoor range and then stepping into independence that you did take the time to research to do your homework to talk to a lot of different people and to go from an idea to a turnkey um building yeah I mean, you can definitely tell the difference yeah i i agree i think um a lot of ranges um, are in a building that wasn't purpose built. Maybe it was a pre-existing building and then they turned it into a range. Sure. Um, and you know, as, as the local markets, I think dictate some things, uh, the, the needs of the customers and the law enforcement community or, 
you know, that, that can all dictate how you design it. And we even, we even made changes after our plans were approved and we had started construction, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we made some pretty, well, pretty significant changes, not, not, not super significant, but for instance, one thing we had planned was a, a simulator room where we could have a, like a TI simulator or something. Right. And, um, you know, all the ranges we toured and the range owners we talked to that had simulator rooms, we realized it didn't, they weren't used that much. You know, it was a, there was no return on the investment. It was a negative return. And so we yeah. felt that, you know, we felt we, we ended up using that space to expand our gunsmith shop. And uh, that let us have a lot more offerings of services people could use and yeah because i mean there's everything back there we've talked to cody a bit on a couple of previous episodes about everything that we offer here at independence uh up to and including seracoding too so right right and and uh you know i we went to a lot of uh range development type seminars or or classes at the shot show and talking to gunsmiths um there was one seminar that was put on by a couple of professors from a gunsmith college. And they told us that every gunsmith you ask says they wish they had more space. <laughs> and when they say how much more space, it was always about 50% more than what they had. So if they had 400 feet, they said, well, you know, 200 more feet would, you know, half as much as I got would be good. Sure. You know, so they, they told us, Hey, whatever you're planning, you know, double it. And maybe your gunsmith will be happy, you know? And so that's kind of, and we had planned, I mean, we only had like, I don't know, 400, uh, yeah, it was about 400 square feet planned for the gunsmith. And, and so we heard that and then we thought, you know what, we just got to get rid of the simulator room. Sure. And so we did that. We took away like two feet off the employee break room. I hope they don't (laughs) listen to this, but, (laughs) but that's one reason that that, room so narrow is it lost a couple feet sure so we could expand uh the gunsmith shop i think that was a great idea as far as investing in the building itself um because that gunsmith's gonna make way more money than the break room will absolutely yeah that's absolutely true. if we make the break room uncomfortable enough <laughs> the employees won't want to spend any time in there yeah they'll be busy on the floor working <laughs> on selling season. so um so let's let's Kind of pivot to to that. Obviously, you know, you start any business with the intent to to make some money, but um, you know, I think with a, with any kind of a gun shop or a gun range, I think there's got to be a passion for firearms behind it. Um, what made you want to start a shooting range? You know, I grew up with guns. I mean, I I grew up kind of a city person, but my grandfather and great grandfather they had ran- they were home they homesteaded in Wyoming they had ranches and so my dad grew up on his grandpa's ranch and so he taught us to shoot growing up and um you know taught us about firearm safety and stories about you know behind all the guns the family rifles we had right um but the, kind of those things histories and who had used them in our family and what they'd used them for and so you know, that, that was always an interest of mine. I'd, I'd go shoot at, uh, ranges every now and then, um, here in the, in our market, I felt like we didn't have 
enough, or I, I was surprised there wasn't another one. Sure. And I thought, you know, if there was one, probably people would, like I would use it, you know, or a few things that you look for <clears throat> in a range. And actually you don't notice them unless they're not there is one is good ventilation. Right. Yeah. You know, the other one is yeah. range safety officers or, you, you know, because everyone thinks they're safe with guns. <laughs> That's what everyone thinks, you know, but right. you, a lot of times you're in a range and someone muzzles you or something and they don't even think of, they don't even know what they did. And, and a lot of us aren't comfortable enough to confront them and say, Hey dude, yeah, you just, you know, pointed your, you know, it's like, I don't really want to pick a fight with someone that's got a gun. Right. So you just leave, you know, or you think I'm going to get my kid out of here. And yeah, one of my golden rules is life is don't mess with people you don't know. Yeah. And so, and then a gun range, sometimes you don't know. And yeah. so if there's the range safety officers, right. Someone who's that. got that authority to say, Hey, look, you know, keep, keep, keep it in the case until you get to the, you know, the booth or, right. keep, you know, that that's helpful. And so we didn't really have that on our market. You know, I'd leave the shooting range and, you know, I'd taste gunpowder on my lips or, mm-hmm. sm- you know, I'd sneeze and black stuff would come out or something. And, you think that's, you know, it's completely yeah. safe. Nothing yeah. to worry about. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, like, you know, coming here so often is you kind of do get spoiled a little bit because I've, I've gone to other ranges and back in Illinois, I mean, there's, there's no ventilation really. Um, you know, especially in the older ranges and stuff. And yeah, you, you blow your nose at, at the end of the, when you're done shooting and there's the black stuff yeah. that comes out and that, that can't be good for you. No. And, and, you know, that all comes with some cost, you know, designing the building so it has good ventilation. We we used the, you know, the premier indoor shooting ventilation engineers, um, carries ventil- range ventilation. They designed the system. The equipment was expensive, you know, and then running it's expensive. Just, it just, Is it? Uh, yeah, it's very uh, you know, it's, our uh, air units for just the range ventilation and the ducts and the diffusers were about 300,000 bucks. Wow. And then when we flip the switch and turn it on, turn on the range ventilation, it's it's burning about $60 an hour in electrical current. And they run about 10 hours a day and right. there's three of them. Right. So you get a couple of shooters in there and you start losing money when <laughs> you turn on, you, you know, so there's yeah. kind of a critical mass of shooters that you need to just kind of break even just on the ventilation. And, you know, you get that throughout the day. And and we actually have two, uh, the 100-yard the bay and the, the first 25-yard, the tapered bay, mm-hmm. run on one unit. Oh, okay. And so we can turn that on and service, you know, 10 people in the 25-yard bay and the 100-yard bay. Gotcha. And then the, the tactical bay, the seven-lane bay in the middle, that has its own mm-hmm. unit. So we can scale it a little bit to what we need, you know. Yeah. So did you have kind of firsthand, um, you know, uh, involvement with the design of everything or was it kind of more of a hands-off process with the actual design? No, no, it was a very hands-on, um, and it was very hands-on with decisions made, including, you know, how wide to make the stalls. So one of the, one of the considerations for the range ventilation is the width of the bay, Right. Is all that matters. It doesn't matter how long the bay is. So if the bay is 10 yards long or 25 yards long or a hundred yards long, it doesn't matter. It can use the same air handling unit. So, oh, okay. So it, 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 yeah, it's that, 
it's that column of air right. that and moves so it as well. It doesn't matter how right? long the bay is, it matters how wide it is. So the wider it is, the more the bigger the equipment mm-hmm. you need. And so there's the 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 air handlers come in different sizes. So you start thinking, okay, the hundred yard bay, that's sixteen feet wide, and the taper bay, it's you know, so many feet wide. Uh or, or how, how many feet wide should we make it? Yeah. Because if there's a unit that will do, you know, 30 feet and a unit that will do 40 feet and you, you only build it for 35 feet, you got to use the 40 foot unit and you yeah. over, you overbuilt, you know? So, so that, that's all kind of figuring in, um, your mix. Like you, you, you got to think, well, how many people are really going to come shoot? Right. Um, you don't want to underbuild. And so it, there, there's all those kind of constraints. Then you think about, well, how wide should I make the bays? You yeah. Because I mean? they can be booth, too constricting or, or they could be right. You know, like the, 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 uh, the hundred yard bays four feet wide in the booth mm-hmm. and, the the same, the, um, the tactical bay is about three and a half feet wide. So you can fit one person in there and maybe kind of an instructor or observer kind of close, right. Close by. And then the, the first bay is about each booth is about three inches more narrow. Okay. So if you think you think you got 10, you know, 10 booths at three and a half feet. And then you think, well, what if I shave off three inches off each booth, I could get one more whole more booth. Right. You know, so you, you, it's a lot to consider. It's a lot, it's a lot to consider. And then you think about, for instance, the hundred yard bay, that bay in itself added a million dollars to the project, wow. that bay alone. And so you sit there and you think, well, four <laughs> booths, um, it's already 373 feet long. That's how the building is uh-huh. for that. It's 373 feet long. Well, it doesn't cost that much more to add four more feet wide, right? When you are, yeah, when you already, already spent at that point. <laughs> 373 feet down yeah. in one dimension, why don't you just add one more booth? Yeah, you know? it really and doesn't it, cost that much it more. It doesn't cost that much more. But, <laughs> but, then, but then that changes the footprint of your building. You know, do you, sure. do you lose a row of parking spots? Something's got to you know, give. Do you, right. Or yeah. do you, you know, and... And so even finding the site kind of dictated a little bit about, you know, the design of the yeah. building as well. But so that, that all took a lot of uh, thought and mulling over through to the design process and, you know, even through the architectural phase. Sure. Yeah. That's gotta be a lot of research and a lot of consideration because you have to work within the constraints of the property. And yeah. I, I can only imagine what else. Yep. Your budget. And yeah. Let's talk about um, wh- what do you think, was the the biggest challenge in developing independence? Hmm. That's, that's a good question. The financing was a challenge. The biggest challenge I think was finding the right people to make it work. Cause this is, I mean, it's a great place when you walk in, it's inviting and you know, the architects did a great job. For um, sure. Everybody, you know, everybody involved in the project did a great job, but what really makes it work is the people who run it. And so Ryan, Steve, yeah. Joe, all the people who, you know, 
run it. That's, that's really what makes a difference and, and helps the customer have a good experience. Sure. And, uh, cause you can have the nicest place in the world, but if everybody's rude and not friendly, then you're not yeah, going to want to come if, back. If it's not safe or, or yeah. they don't have, they don't have a good experience, then yeah, that that's one and done. They're, yeah. they're, well, and the thing, it, the thing is too, is nobody really talks too much about how awesome a time they have, but they'll let everybody know if they had a bad experience. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and for, for gun people, we tend to be quite opinionated about different things. Gun people opinionated? No. no. You know. I thought it was, I thought it was just me. No, you're just a special kind all on your own, right. Steve. That's what my mom kept telling me too. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think you're right. I think it is, it is the people and, and the academy, everybody from the academy to the RSOs, the gunsmiths, um, it really does take a lot. We've, we've interviewed quite a few people from the shop on the podcast and, um, there's a, so much knowledge and, and, you know, they and want to share that. Yeah. yeah, yeah and experience. They want to share that with everybody. So, and we haven't even interviewed everybody. So <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, that's the truth. I mean, people like, I love, I love shooting sports. I love, um, the freedoms that are afforded to us by the second amendment and, and the freedoms that a lot of our ancestors took pains and sacrificed to give so we mm-hmm. could enjoy now. Yeah. If they, they said, I'm going to forego, you know, this for myself and, and make a better future for my children. And I think, uh, the second amendment, uh, is a huge part of what allowed that. And so I'm a, I'm a big proponent of uh, proponent of that. And I'm very appreciative of that. And I think most, most of the employees are as well. And sure, so yeah. I'm, I'm a, you know, as far as my background, me being a gun guy, mm-hmm. like, um, I think I'd embarrass myself and the other employees <laughs> of the shop, you know, if I tried to answer a customer's question <laughs> and that's, a. You know, one of the t-shirts we have here in the shop, it has a little paper clip on it and says, this is a clip, Yeah. you know, and, and early on in the process of, uh, getting independence going when I was talking to Ryan, you know, one of, one of the experiences I had, um, that kind of made me think, you know, we need, we need a store like independence was I special ordered a clip or a magazine, I should say, <laughs> I special ordered a clip for my, a handgun uh-huh. and then, you know, paid for it at the store, but then it never came in and oh geez, months and months went by and it never came in. And, you know, and then finally I just contacted, I emailed the manufacturer and I said, Hey, what do I have to do to get a magazine? Right. And they emailed me back and said, what's your credit card number? And so I called them on the phone <laughs> and I gave my credit card number. And three days later, the, the magazine was in my mailbox. That's you know, customer at my service house, you know, right and there. I'm like, and so I called up this store where I did this special order. I'm like, Hey, just cancel my special order and refund. And they're like, okay. And they didn't even you, care. No. And, and wow. so I was like nuts, you know, I'm like, and I'm, I'm a small fry customer. It wasn't like a, I, I did a big order. Right. It was just a magazine. Yeah. You know, but I felt like, you know, so I told Ryan this story mm-hmm. and, um, he's like, that's cool. And then at the end of the story, he was like, will you do me a favor? And, <laughs> and I said, sure. What's that? And he said, when you're in the store, like around other people, 
could you not call it a clip? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, I looked at him cross. I'm like, huh? And I'm like, oh, I get it. Right. That was, <laughs> so that, that's my long winded. Uh, that's a good story. That, that's my explanation of, you know, <laughs> how much of a gun guy I am. Right. You know, because even at work or somewhere, there, there's a lot of people who know uh, a lot more about firearms than I do. And so they'll engage me in a conversation with it or tell me, Hey, I, I'm building this. And, and I'm like, great, that's totally cool. You know, but I'm like, I have no I hope idea they, what you're right, saying. I hope they don't ask me for my, you know, if I think they should do a different part or a different trigger or, you know, what I think about, you know, as long as you have no follow-up questions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but, but, and honestly, I'm not here enough to, benefit from all the wisdom of all the employees and all their experience. But part of being a smart businessman and a business owner is, you know, hiring people who know more than you about certain subjects and letting those people be professionals and do that. I think independence has done a fantastic job of, of hiring and having, keeping those people on that, on the team. Yeah, I agree. We've, we've been very fortunate of that right out of the gate and there's not, you know, everybody doesn't, fit perfect in the team. And so some employees have come and gone and, but even those employees have contributed. Um, and and I think the other ingredient that you got to give credit for to what makes independence a nice place places, the customers as well. Oh, for sure. So yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's, uh, the, the kind of people that come in and are interested in firearms and safety and training is, a is huge. It makes for a nice environment. And I think it's really good for the community. The law enforcement, uh, enjoys coming here and we've enjoyed good support from them. And we, we've, we've made special, you know, even from the design, that was one of the, one of the things that, uh, we modified after we had begun construction was to put a, a, a bathroom in the back in the range area. You can't see it cause it's just a door. It's hidden in an undisclosed location. <laughs> right. But it's a, it's an ADA, you know, full bathroom. Right. That cause, cause the law enforcement, they, they have access to come and go as they please after hours, mm-hmm. but they need a rest. They needed a restroom, you know? So that's something that we added. Um, and I can't tell you how many guys I've talked to on patrol where they've needed to go to the bathroom at like three in the morning. And they hurry and stop by the store. <laughs> For real? Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's that how- happens. Hey, that's awesome. That's helping that's, your community right there. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, to go back to that point is, you know, being a proponent of the Second Amendment and, um, you know, enjoying that freedom. I think you we've created a place that really and you can enjoy the Second Amendment to the fullest because not only can you come and shoot and buy guns, you know, you have the we have the full auto experience. We have the training. We have the gunsmithing. I mean, there's not much we can't do here. Yeah, that's true. And, and even, you know, other communities, the. I think it's, is it Grant County, Oregon that comes in and helps, you know, get Oregon CCWs for Idaho residents. So they yep, don't have yeah. to go all the way out to Oregon. Um, you know, even that's available. We got real unique stuff. The, the, uh, animal caping classes and gutless method skinning, you know, field dressing classes that Barrett teaches. I mean, I don't know where else you can take a class like that. A gun you know, range from, or otherwise. Yeah. For, from people who are experienced and, and just, you actually do it, you know, it's not a PowerPoint. Right. And I know we kind of touched on it. the other thing. It's not just that they're experienced about it is they're passionate about it and they love doing what they teach. And so 
and, and I know we kind of touched on it before, but the customer gets a whole different education from somebody who actually does and enjoys what they're teaching. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's something I realized as well when I took a class here um, is that I thought, you know, I knew enough about shooting and firearms. And I mean, cause my dad taught me and his dad taught him and, right. you know, we grew up, it's part of our culture, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, my, 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 uh, great, great, great grandfather was the first mayor of the town where John Moses Browning no lived, way. you know? So I feel like it's almost in your blood. Oh yeah. That's, that's what I think, you know, but then I, t- <laughs> then I took the class and I, I was like, holy smokes, I didn't know that I didn't know all this, yeah. you know, you, and, and you think about, you know, professional athletes, they have coaches and stuff and they get better college athletes. They get coached and they become better and they become professional. And so, you know, I didn't realize the depth of, I mean, there's professional firearms instructors that are going to teach me stuff that I I don't know. You know, I, I didn't realize that I had so much to learn or that I could learn so much. And so that's, that's been kind of enriching and that's really cool. You know, eye opening for me. Yeah. We've oh, talked about great. that on, on the rain or on the podcast quite a bit is that you, in the shooting sports, there's always something to learn and you always have to have a, a learning open mind. Um, because the minute that you think that, you know, everything you, you know, you limit yourself, you limit yourself and, and you, you won't progress. And at that's at best at worst, you could hurt somebody because you become complacent with firearm. That's true. That's true. You know, I thought, you know, one of the classes that I was in at the shot show, this guy was, I think he was, oh, he was talking about optics. Okay. And, uh, he was like, he was real passionate that you, every hunter needs binoculars. Okay. Interesting. And, uh, and, and he, and, you know, he goes on to explain it and he's like, he's like, I've been looking out with my binoculars, you know, out in the field and looking right down some guy's rifle scope, who's who's looking out, you know, scoping out me with, through a rifle scope. And then, you know, and so this guy, he's like, he he is real passionate about it because his brother got shot off a, off a horse when he was hunting because some guy thought he was an elk. Okay. And so he's like, my brother died. He got shot off a horse by a hunter who was, you know, just looking through his rifle scope. Yeah. And so, you know, he's like, that's irresponsible. You don't, you don't need to be scoping out the hillside with your rifle. That's wrong. You know? And so I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? He's right. Yeah. You I've know, never he, thought about anything like that before. He's but right. It's... Because you scoping uh, someone at something out, some bushes rustling and there's a person in there, you're pointing your high power rifle at a person and you know, and whether you I don't have think your, that's right. No, it's not. And, <laughs> you and whether, whether you have, uh, you know, the, you know, your finger on the trigger or not, you're still right. pointing it. In or it's still break, still breaking a rule. Yeah. If you exactly. think, even if you think you have an empty chamber or an empty gun, I mean, how many accidents happen because, oh, I thought it was empty. Mm-hmm. I think everybody and has I heard clean a story. And I or... shot myself in the thigh, or, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, and that's, that's that's the most important thing. I mean, we talk about safety all the time. We just did a, a, an episode, because we hadn't done one in a while, on just basic gun safety a couple episodes ago, just because you can never, just like with professional athletes, you can never go over the basics too many times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you learn, you learn, you learn things. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you and oh, but but even if you own a gun shop, you have a learning mindset. Oh, so yeah. everybody oh, has man. something to learn about firearms. Oh, yeah, I got a lot <laughs> yeah. to learn. That's but see, that's <laughs> the best attitude to have, and that's the best way to to get better. You know. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, Steve can attest to it. I mean, we, I think we've both seen people who uh, don't necessarily have that learning mindset and they think they know everything. And it's, that's sad. Well, I've dealt with those people more than one time. Yep. And yeah, people uh, don't like to deal with those people. <laughs> no, no. But um, speaking of learning, um, I'm sure you had to learn a lot about like regulations and ATF laws and red tape. Can you talk about like all that stuff you had to go through? To, yeah, to that make was, this happen. That, yeah, that's that's. There's a lot, you know. You don't you don't realize, <laughs> you don't realize it's not because and I've I've always kind of wanted to own a business. I've always thought about it, and so sure, you know, I looked into different things, and um, and then I'd be too slow on the trigger, so to speak, and someone else would do it. You know, so whether it's you know, opening up a subway shop by my house and the subway <laughs> developers say, Oh no, someone's going to do that. Someone's I'm, got it I'm actually doing one in that spot next year, you know, or, gotcha. you know, I'd be, you know, I applied to be a Chick-fil-A franchisee and they sent me a letter saying, you're not the kind of franchisee we're looking for. And then three months later, it's in the paper, three Chick-fil-A's are opening the grocery <laughs> market, you know, and I'm like, dang it. Yeah. Right. You know, and the, or like, uh, you know, that Maverick station, it's full all the time. All the I would, time. I would get gas there, but all the bumps are full and the parking stalls are People full. People stack know? up. And like, yeah. why don't they build this other corner needs a, a convenience store, yeah. you know, a gas station. So I looked into that 7-Eleven. They're like, we're pulling out of Idaho. Circle K is like, we're not going in Idaho. And then, <laughs> you know, I, I made a meeting with the Chevron guy who, and, uh, because they have kind of their own little food mart, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, model. And then he got sick and canceled the the mm. meeting. And <laughs> then I just I was so busy I never rescheduled it. And then you know about a year later, there's the city white sign up, you know, meeting at the city hall about this thing. And you know someone else put a a, a gas, gas station, station in there. there. Yeah. So I, I thought, well, I'm not having bad ideas. Right. Because you, things you know, are happening. Right. Yeah. It's like, and, and I even was taking steps towards trying to do that, but mm -hmm. it never really happened. And, and so even with, with developing this range, what, what happens when people think about, Oh, I could, I could do a shooting range is you go online, you realize, Oh, action target and Megat training systems are the big equipment companies. Right. And so you send them an email and then they put you in touch with their their local sales guy for that region. Okay. And so I I talked to the action target guy and said, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing it in the Boise market." And he said, "Okay, yeah, there's four other guys talking to me right now about that." Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. and you think garbage. Well, don't don't tell them that. I'm, <laughs> don't tell them that there's a fifth one. Yeah, you, there's you know a, that's I mean? a secret now, yeah. So it's so there's other people thinking about it, but you, you know, and there's some risk cuz you think, "Well, if I start doing it and someone else is two steps ahead of me, you know, then I could be behind the eight ball. I could be behind. Right. And, and you could be making an expensive mistake. Expensive yeah. mistake. So, yeah. But it's, it's kind of one of those things where if you don't cha change and do something, then everything's going to stay the same. Yeah. You know? so, so you got to do something. Everything must've kind of just fallen into place, so to speak, at least, or being in the right place at the right time. And 
there being was, prepared. There was definitely a fair amount of that for yeah. sure. Was um, talk a little bit about the dealing with because we've talked about the oh, gun, the ATF? The, yeah, the I gun. Re- yeah. Re- oh, that's okay. No, but the you know the gun industry being the most regulated industry you know, in the country and, you know, somewhere where you have people shooting in full autos and, you know, you're, we're selling guns and selling suppressors and, you know, form ones, form fours, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, talk about kind of the, how to deal with how you had to deal with the ATF and, and the red tape you had to go through to, with that. Yeah, that was, that was a challenge because with, uh, you know, building up inventory for a gun store, the, everything's not available all the time. So a gun manufacturer, they'll tool up to make a certain gun and Mm -hmm. they'll think, well, we can sell 10,000 of these this year. Mm -hmm. And then they do a run, a production run, and then they retool for the next model or something. And sure. And and so they're not making model a now until it's time next year. So you could, if, if that gun sells real well, then they wish they made more, but they're scarce. And so you, some of that stuff, you have to start accumulating, a year before you open just so you have it. Right. You're ready. And, you're ready to go. Right. And so we had a, a, a it's a catch 22 thing with the FFL because the FFL is attached to your physical location. And mm-hmm. so the physical location, even though we had the land and we were starting to build, they, they there are certain requirements you have to have locking doors. You know, you have to have oh, sure. a place for the firearms to, be secured. Right. And it could be a, a padlock, a master lock, or, you know, and technically it's locked up. That'd be stupid if you didn't keep them super su- secure, <laughs> but the ATF, what they're looking for is just, and, and so we didn't even have windows, you know, or mm-hmm. doors or, you know, it was st- just an open lock. building. It was just kind of a few rows of masonry, yeah. you know, two yeah. feet high or something. So I had, so, so I had to apply for the FFL at my house um, and, and get, get it done there and, and so, get some security. Yeah. So. Well, well, and, and, and so you can, you can store things off site. So we actually had a storage unit. We had a temporary office set up at mm-hmm. like a, an office, a temporary office place. And oh, sure. In a storage. Oh yeah. I remember that. that office. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that, yeah. I mean, we used that for eight months, you know, while Ryan, uh, later the general manager, he came to town and, you know, he was working out of there, uh, because, it's, it's a ton of paperwork just to establish a relationship with a distributor. Mm. You've got to give them, you know, they're doing checking all your credit and it's almost like applying for a loan at a bank, you know, and there's with a distributor. Yeah. With a distributor. So so they, you have to establish this relationship with them and get vetted and, and go through all these hoops just to be able to buy from say Davidson's or Lipsy's or Red Rock or something. And so, that's a lot of paperwork. So Ryan was gearing up and doing that, but, sure. but back to the FFL, you know, the, the ATF guy, he says, yeah, well, I want to help you, but, and you can do it at your house, but is your, uh, is your city okay with that? Is your HO, HOA okay with oh, that? Wow. You know, because how many HOAs yeah, you know, say you can't run a business out of your house? Right. And least of all, or, a, a gun related business, right, I'm or, sure. Or you can't, you have to approve it with the HOA first if sure. you're going to have a daycare or you're going to cut people's hair or you can teach, yeah. teach piano lessons or something. I mean, technically that's a business and some of the HOAs are sticklers. So it was kind of a delicate dance down yeah, at, city, at City Hall <laughs> because they, they, the ATF's like, no, look, we need to know that you can, you need a business license. And 
you know, it's going to be in a residential area and yeah. it's a gun dealership basically, you know? So <laughs> yeah. it was a precarious, um, negotiation, just talking with the person that does the business permits down there. And then I actually was fortunate enough to get the ATF guy on the phone with a speaker phone to tell him, you know, c- kind of explain. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Y- you know, so, so it wasn't like I'm telling the city guy, yeah, the ATF says it's okay. Yeah, everything's they're, fine. They're just good. Trust the ATF's yeah. good with it. We just need you to write this letter that says you're good with me dealing guns yeah. out of my house. Yeah. You know? the, <laughs> but because that's kind of what, and actually, you know, I wasn't dealing out of my house, but it, now the guns got shipped to my house. So the UPS and the FedEx guys, they were excited. You know, they were seeing cases, you know, like, what's this? This what's is it? great. You know, they're seeing all this. Yeah. You know, so they, they loved you. They knew what was coming up. They were excited. You yeah, know? for sure. But then we'd, uh, we'd store them off site at a, the, at a, a location that we got approved. Cause that's, mm-hmm. but that, that was tricky. And then once we open, it's a, it's a lot of paperwork to transfer your FFL to a new location. Oh, I'm sure. You know, so there's still, there's still yeah. even to this day, uh, vestiges of the FFL at my house with, you know, people calling there saying, do you do transfers? And Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Because, you, you, you know, cause that yeah. was on the original FFL was not the store's phone number and not, you know, <laughs> so you're still, yeah, you're still getting people calling about transfers or probably oh, yeah. anything or else. The I FBI imagine. will call or really the, the, um, the ATF will call about a background, you know, I'll have a voicemail saying, Hey, this is, you know, it's from Virginia from a, you know, just from Virginia, not a number you can call back, <laughs> you know, saying, Hey, we have a question about this transfer. Give mm-hmm. us a call. And, you know, wow. it's still coming to. And if anybody should know, it should be them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you would, you would as far as what that. number it is. Hey, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a big organization, I guess. We'll just leave it at yeah, they're, that. They're great. I, I think our local ATF office does a great job and they are pretty they awesome. A good job. I think being in Idaho affords us a little bit more, um, a better of a working relationship, I think. And I agree. And I think it's a working relationship and not an antagonistic relationship. Yeah. It, everybody's on the same team, I think, in regards to, you know, legally purchasing firearms, mm-hmm. right. you know, responsibly handling them, safely storing them, using them responsibly. Um, so I think that when they have somebody who cooperates with them, you know, and just doesn't want to, oh yeah, I just want to open a gun shop. It's that easy, right? You right. know, and I think they probably are a little more welcome to do that, you know, to, to have that working relationship yeah. with you. So, uh, but yeah, it's gotta be, uh, I mean, opening a business in and of itself, I know is a challenge. Um, and there's a lot to think about. So having a gun, anything gun related has to be, it is, it, it's a challenge in the gun, you know, as far as the guns go, that that's the coolest part I think of, cause without that, there's nothing else, but that's also the, the most tedious part. Cause you don't really make any money, selling guns, the margins are slim. Very, and very it, slim. And yeah. you think if, you know, someone comes in to buy a gun and it takes an employee 30 minutes or an hour to make that sale. And let's say it's a, a thousand, let's say it's a $300 gun and we're going to make 15%. What's that? 30, 45 bucks, 45, 45 bucks. Yeah. And it, and it costs an employee a whole yeah. hour to do the paperwork and maybe that gun sat in our shelf in our case for three months, you know, at 6% that we're paying on, you know, our floating our inventory debt or whatever. Right. You know, it's, it ends up being kind of a wash. You know, you think if they were spending 300 bucks at the gap, 
they'd scan all the clothes in two minutes and make 60%, you know, right. the gaps clear in 60%. And, and there's no liability of, you know, you sold a, you know, the wrong kind of t-shirt to the wrong kind of person, you know, there, there, there's no fear of that. So even, even after we do the paperwork, you know, there's people who spend more hours on that in our, uh, quality assurance and compliance you know, process sure. to make sure that everything's correct in the bound book. So it takes another employee to go over that a second set of eyes and it, mm-hmm. like every little piece of data on there and make sure that it's, it's all done appropriately. Yeah. So that cost, the cost just keeps going up. And then, then you think, well, is it really worth it? Well, not, <laughs> it's not. And I've seen, you know, a couple guns since we've opened, I've seen a few gun shops come and go Oh yeah, know, in town. Yeah. And, yep. and I feel for him because if that's all you've got going on, you know, it's hard to do. So if that person that's buying a $350 gun, if they need an extra magazine and maybe a range bag and a cleaning kit, maybe they, they sign up for a class or, or they come in and shoot a couple times, you know, that's kind of, or, or maybe they need a, want a night sight mounted or, or they come know, and trigger rent a, polished rent or, a full auto or rent some right, other guns. Or, yeah. or do some stuff. So it's kind of, it's kind of all the different arms of the business are kind of complimentary and yeah. that's what helps keeps the doors open. Yeah. And I think, but that's good business because then, the, you know, the customers win, you know, when you come in, you can get all, you have all those resources at your disposal at, at one place, Yep. you know, rather than having to go to six different places and finding six different people to trust with training or supplies or ammunition or whatever. Right. It's all, it's all right here. So 15%, that's like, that's a pretty uh, generous, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and I remember when we opened, we had a guy, he bought three guns or something and he actually walked because we wouldn't give him a bigger, you know, a, a discount on a new gun. <clears throat> and and I remember telling him, I was like, dude, there's no right. margin in this gun. And he's like, oh, that's, that's BS. I'm leaving. Yeah. Okay. I'll sell your yeah, gun to so, somebody else. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard because like a car dealership, you expect to negotiate. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and stores have sales on guns, sportsmen's or Cabela's or, you know, and we, we buy through distributors. Most gun shops buy through distributors, huge stores that can buy directly from manufacturers. They, you know, a sportsman can, can sell a, a Ruger 1022 for a profit for less money than I can buy at wholesale. Wow. You know, so. Yeah, because they, they buy such a huge quantity. Yeah, right. And so we we try to price match. We we look at the local competitors, and we 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 try to be lower or at the most even. Right. Because we want we want to be a good deal, you know. But but we lose money on some guns because of that, you know, and 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 because of yep. how they're able to buy. You know, that might change for us as we get bigger and can do more volume and could maybe get some direct contracts, get some better deals from and manufacturers some, sure. or, or in a big buy group. Yeah. But for now, you know, that, that can be a challenge. Yeah. Especially cause it, independence has only been around for two years, you know, and some gun stores or, or big box stores, like you said, like Cabela's or Bass Pro or Sportsman have ever been around for decades yep. and they've got, they're all over the nation. You know, this is, yep. indi- this is independence. This is their only one location, right. you know? <laughs> so that's kind of a unique yep. challenge in and of itself too. So, um, what do you think is the biggest thing that surprised you about opening up a range? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I, the biggest thing that surprised me was the sheer 
numbers of dollar signs. You know, <laughs> when I looked at, when I first contacted Action Target to say, you know, and talked with someone and they said, you're, it's going to cost you $2 million to open a range. I was like, oh, <laughs> like sticker what? shock. Yeah. That's ridiculous. You know, I'm like <laughs> penciling it out. I could do it for like 800,000 bucks. Right. Know? Right. Well, that's if you do a tiny footprint with like three lanes, you know, or, yeah. you know, I mean, just the, yeah. the action target people, you know, for, for our shooting equipment, just the range part was about 800,000 bucks just for the retrievers and the steel baffles and mm-hmm. the tart and the bullet traps. That's why we don't want you to you shoot know? them. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> like, right. They're expensive. They are expensive. And, and, you know, so that, that was just in, 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 so the, the project that would, that was just for like a, a small store, you know, that right. like I thought we could do. And, um, and so just opening up, you know, the sheer numbers, you know, like we might sell $12,000 of stuff in a day, or the gross receipts might be $15,000 in one day. Yeah. And that's yeah. like a boatload of money. You know, like, sure. wow, I could take 15 but then, grand, but then, you know, you look at the bank account the next day and $15,000 hits, but then, you know, maybe the credit card processor payment hits right on its payroll that week. And, and then, you know, chunks are coming out like, yeah, or your insurance or, yeah. or whatever right. property, tax, second half of property tax or <laughs> payroll tax. It's quarterly, you know, it's like. Ryan, what happened, dude? We got decimated and it hit the line of credit. Yeah. What, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a perfect storm and, you know, and, and so just, and, and it's not, so it's like, uh, you know, I grew up kind of where I still think of five bucks, you know, that that's an hour's work for me, you know, sure. from when I was a kid or yeah, five bucks. Sure. We, we paid for our gas by like, you know, $5 on pump number 10. You know, we didn't just fill up the tank and not worry about the price of gas. Right. I mean, it was like that. So, so to see like, you know, tens and twenties of thousands of dollars just coming in and out, it's daunting. Like that, that, that's, that makes me sweat at night sometimes. Oh, sure. I was going to ask you is, it, do the numbers just kind of, you just get used to them? It doesn't sound like you, like you get used to the numbers really. Um, kind of, I'm, I'm a little used to that, but I still feel like, you know, a dollar is a dollar. And so sure. we can't afford that. Yeah. You, you know, we can't, um, can't afford to waste or, you know, some, some people think that they're like, they're like, uh, well, you know, they'll shop around for something and say, I could go to O'Reilly's and get this brake light for, you know, four dollars and fifty cents or i can go to walmart and get it for four dollars mm-hmm. well some most of us will we'll go to walmart and save 50 cents you know sure but but then let's say let's say you're going to get a new iphone 10 mm-hmm. and you're going to drop a thousand bucks at costco on an iphone 10 or you could get it at best buy for 995 dollars and 50 cents you're going to be like, it's 50 cents. I'm buying it. At co- I'm here at Costco. I'm just going to buy it. I mean, it's yeah. 50 cents. But if you think about it, there's no difference. There's no difference in 50 cents from your iPhone 10 at Costco and Best Buy or 50 cents on a $4 tail lamp, tail lamp bulb yeah. at Walmart. It's 50 cents. And that's that's what can make the difference. 
you know, so we don't, and, and that's one of the things that's, you know, I, I, you know, people, people at work that I, that I see and they know, Hey, you know, they, they're like, I was in there Saturday. It's, it, it was so busy. You must be killing it. Are you going <laughs> to retire? Are you going to be, you know? Right. And I sit there and I think, dude, I mean, I'm just, no I'm just glad I'm not having to feed it any money right now. Sure. You know, or, you know cause, cause it's still a young business, you know, yeah, but, very but it looks like, it looks like, you know, but, and, and it would be nice. And if a few more shooters came in every day, because <laughs> we're, we're meeting our fixed costs, we just need a few more people to just come a couple in. More people that, to come that in would and be shoot. the gravy. But, you know, I say, I look around and we've got all these talented and gifted people working here. Mm-hmm. And frankly, they could be making more money at Chick-fil-A or Walmart, you know, yeah, but they're here. True. It is true. And so I feel bad about that. You know, I think, Hey, we'd love to give everyone a raise, you know, or, you know, these other places, Oh, we're going to make our minimum wage is $15 an hour now at Amazon or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Well, that'd be great. I, you know, I love that, you know, but like for now, you know, we haven't been able to do that, but hopefully, you know, as, as the store grows and we get more busy, you know, those things will come. But th- those are the kind of things I think about is, you know, how, how can we get to that point where mm-hmm. we can do that? Yeah. You know, maybe someday we'll yeah. harvest profits. That'd be sweet. You know, you look at on paper, the accountant, you know, says, Oh, you know, you're making money, you mm-hmm. know, cause now you're making your inventory payments, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Well now you own that inventory. Right. You know, your balance sheet looks good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, but they're going to make payroll on Thursday. Right. You know, or you made the, you made the mortgage payment, right. On the building. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, $10,000 of equity in your building. It looks like you make, you're making money and you're they're like, dude, <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> checking accounts empty. There's an echo, yeah. you, know, you know, it's like there's an echo from all the money that just went. Yeah. Right. It just ricocheted in and out. Just so. bounce in and out, you know, so, but, but, you know, I think the store is doing well if from that perspective, no one's getting rich, but you know, and, and no one will get rich maybe someday, but you know, we'll be, we'll raise pay before we do that or, you know, right. Right. And, and, you know, at the very least, everybody's got a, a great place to shoot. You know? That's true. I, I think it's an asset for the community. I, mean, I would it's agree. A, it's a safe place. It's pretty central. Most of us like being outdoors. It's fun to shoot outdoors and stuff. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I consider myself an outdoors person. Mm-hmm. I'm not a granola. Like I eat granola. <laughs> You know, I like that stuff, but like when I go out and shoot in the desert, like I don't like seeing everyone's trash. Yeah. I I don't like seeing people's shotgun shells and all their garbage and they blew up their TV and there's, you know, it's like, just leave it there. It's It's embarrassing. Like I feel ashamed a little bit. Yeah. I think, dude, these are shooters and they're just trashing the place. You know, I, I get, you know, yeah, we're shooting some lead into the ground, but you know, or where, but the lead came out of the ground, you know, so we're, but you know, I mean, there's, there's there's not really a fine line between resp- I mean, it's, it's a huge line that a lot of people cross just trash and oh, yeah. don't even think about it. I think they're an outdoorsman cause you know, but they just go out and leave all their garbage and leave all their brass and shells. And, and those are the people that complain when that, that uh, public land gets closed off. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I'll, it's, it's, that's another asset. I think that independence brings to the community is, it's pretty central in the Valley. 
you can come here and shoot in perfect conditions and sight in at a hundred yards all year round, you know, you all year round, you know, I have people, you know, I'll, there's people at work. They'll be, they'll say, well, I was waiting, you know, I was going to sight my gun in this weekend, but you know, I saw that at six o'clock in the morning, uh, the wind would be calm. And so I wanted to go out to Black's Creek, but then yeah. this, you know, but then I went out there and the near flag was blowing this way and the far flag was blown the other way. And it took me half the weekend, but I think I'm sighted in. You know, but, <laughs> you but do it in 20 minutes or right, an hour here. That's right. And so, you know, my neighbor, one of my neighbors across the street, he says, dude, I love, I love independence. I could spend 20 bucks driving my truck to and from, uh, Black's Creek, yeah. out, you know, and then wait for a ceasefire and then walk out and hang up my target and then come back and, and my target blew off and everybody else is shooting and I'm sitting there waiting for a ceasefire. And then I go back out and try to keep my target down, but there's wind. And so I don't really know what's going to be like when I'm hunting, if, if I'm going to have that same wind. Right. You know? so, yeah. yeah. So he's like, I don't mind 25 bucks, dude. That's a deal. I can come there and 20, 20 30 it. minutes later, I don't spend half my weekend, you know, and I know, I know I'm right on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, so, that kind of leads me to my next question is what is the, the biggest compliment that you've received from since you've started independence? I think the, what, what makes me feel good the best uh-huh. is when people compliment the employees, they'll compliment me. Like I have something to do with it or I deserve the credit. They'll be <laughs> like, you got the greatest employees there, man. Your employees are awesome. That's cool. And I, I say that I just reflect it back. I say, you know what? They are awesome. We're really lucky to have them. Uh, I wish I could take credit for that. I mean, I think uh, a lot of them have self-selected and, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to work here and they've made, taken pains to adapt and, and become part of the team and, and work. But I think that's the biggest compliment. I think, uh, you know, people will say, Oh, the facility's beautiful. It's awesome. And I sit there and I think, yeah, man, Amanda Bidwell and Jim Escobar, the architects. Yeah. Like I'd love to take credit for it, but you know, we, we kind of guided them a little bit on what we wanted, but they really made it like this. I think, you know, Ryan, uh, came, Ryan, his wife, came up with a lot of the color schemes for inside and kind of the, you know, we, the brick, uh, the rifle wall Mm -hmm. kind of in the back of the store and the brick around the rental counter and stuff, that thin brick stuff. Yeah. You know, we kind of all collaborated on that a little bit. And so it was a lot of a team effort, but people say, Hey, you have a beautiful store. And I, you know, I feel good about that. And I, but I don't know that I really take credit for it, but I feel pride that, they like it. And that's good though. You know? yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, Mark asked you if you, if you had any struggles or whatever, I was wondering if there was any struggles within the community, whether it was the government, you know, local government or, or people around the, the range itself that, that caused some consternation in the process. Um, I, I, I will say for the most part, no. And, you know, the background of that is that the land where we are just happened to be zoned commercial for this use. Wow. There was no, uh, there was no conditional use permit. There was no city planning hearing of, you know, we, we want to get permission to do this. It was just zoned for it. And, and so that was nice. There wasn't, a an uprising of not in my backyard or something like that. And, and for the most part, 
I think, you know, 90% of people here in Idaho, they'd be pleased in my backyard. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> you know, we, we, we took pains to soundproof the inside, put sound absorbing materials and it's not perfect, but even outside you can kind of hear when, when people are shooting, you can kind of hear out in the parking lot, but it's not a nuisance by any stretch of the imagination. Now, one thing we had to make sure was we'd be able to get an FFL. Right. And so even when we made an offer on the land and the, they accepted it as part of the due diligence, we said, look, we got to make sure that we can get an FFL. And yeah. the ATF said, hey, there's no reason I can't issue you an FFL. Awesome. And, you know, we're, we're, we're just over a thousand feet from the high school property. Um, there was Broadview University as to the, now it's gem prep, but as we were, when we were starting the development, it was called Broadview University. Um, there's an, there's a couple of elementary schools that own property here yeah. in, in the Gramercy development. They own the, the lots, but never built. Oh, and there's even apartments a couple yeah, hundred and, yards and away. The, there's apartments, but, um, one of the big issues is schools, you know? And, oh, sure. And, and so, so the ATF guy, he said, look, um, there's no reason I couldn't issue an FFL, but I want you to you know, reach out to the schools and make sure there's buy-in, you know, and, and so they're okay with it. They were okay with it. So we reached out to the Broadview university and they're like, yeah, we have no problem with that. Sweet. And we reached out to the elementary school and they said, well, our policy is to not take a position for or against that. And, uh, we, we, we don't oppose it. You know, and so that, that I think the ATF just didn't want people, angry people coming in saying, yeah. how could you, you know, give an effort. Yeah. And so when we, when we did open, there was uh, one particular individual that lived in the apartments nearby that, you know, said some unsavory things about. Really? Yeah. Cause, cause of noise. And, um, you know, they were going to sue the city council and they were going to sue us and sue oh, the, wow. you know, and, and, and all it, but, and they went around the apartment building getting, Signatures or something. Uh, yeah, like a petition. Oh, jeez. But, but and then this, you know, the city came out and they said, "Hey, they met with Ryan and myself, and they said, hey, we actually came out here and measured the noise decibels, and it's quiet. Like it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's quieter than a than the garbage truck. And, and over over in the apartments is even quieter. I mean, you can go outside and you can hear the freeway. And that's pretty loud. Oh, that's know? way but, louder. But but I think. And, and so this, this individual had recently moved here from New York and Which was is, very anti, it wasn't the noise. It's what the noise represented that it, uh, it was a gunshot and they were kind of anti-gun and interesting, you know, that was the real issue was that we're just anti, you know, cause we thought, wait a minute, you moved here from New York. I've been in New York. It's loud. I slept in New York. There's sirens and crap all night long. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a quiet city. Right. But so that there was a, there was that, you know, that, that all kind of plays into getting the FFL and, you know, but, I but think, as far as developing, there wasn't a challenge with permitting oh, good, or, yeah. or, or, you know, challenge with the city. But I think, like you said, doing your due diligence and checking kind of with the surrounding areas and with everybody that, that I think goes a long way rather than asking for forgiveness later. Oh yeah. You know? I, I think absolutely. And the mindset, you know, now that the Broadview University has turned into a charter school, which is actually a very good school. And, and really from the day it opened, it's been very busy, but they're, they're going to expand. They're going to grow. They're going to mm -hmm. build. They have a lot of students that want to go to that school. It's a great school. Yeah. And so they even, you know, we've, they've, they approached us and said, Hey, can you teach a 
a shooting course, you know, really? a, a firearm safety. So we, we have a yeah. shooting sports curriculum that we've taught to this charter school and another local charter school. Um, and, and we have a after school kind of youth air gun shooting league that some of the kids from the school, they just come over after school mm-hmm. and participate in the air gun league. That's really cool. You yeah. Know, so, so then that leads me, uh, I guess to my last question I have for you, what, uh, do you think, or what do you see, um, that's in the future for independence? You know, I think, uh, part of it is, uh, what I think is in the future for the shooting range industry. I, but, and so I think that is going to be kind of live fire simulators where you have a simulator, but you can actually shoot your own gun, you know, so you can mm-hmm. shoot your real, real cartridges right at, at a, at a, you know, a, a picture on a screen or a projected picture and it'll have all kinds of scenarios, just like with a TI simulator. Sure. But instead of having to use a, a special, you know, a Glock nine, a Glock 17 or 19 with a laser. And that's the only gun that works. You could use whatever gun you want. You could, you know, whatever gun you have. Yeah. And I think that that will be a lot more entertaining and interactive, interactive, you know, you could have run different scenarios that are a little more realistic than just shooting a silhouette or a target on paper. And so we've got, we've kind of, that was kind of designed into the plans. Okay. Um, kind of where the, where the motorcycle parking is, Mm -hmm. that is a potential future expansion bay. And of course it, once, once the technology gets to that point where it's projected, then you can kind of scale the distance by the size of the projection. So yeah, you don't if, need if you want to, sh- right. You just shrink the target down to a couple inches and then you're basically shooting at a hundred yards. So that would let you build a lot shorter bay. Sure. You wouldn't need as much baffling. You'd be take down a lot of expenses. Yeah. So if you look closely, um, kind of out there on the North side of the building where there's kind of a little over, uh, patio overhang and picnic tables and stuff on that north side of the building, the columns there that are the, um, that are the, the different colored, uh, cinder block block. Yeah. But they're not really cinder block. It's, it's a faux, uh, fiberglass texture. You know, if you, Mm. if you look up real close, it looks like just all the other columns along the hundred yard bay and all around the other rest of the store. But it's just, you know, it's kind of designed so that if we can expand their, we can just kind of use that wall and, and build out. And so, build out, yeah. you know, is the, how far into the future is that? Um, you know, I think the technology has definitely got to mature for a couple more years cause we're not yeah. quite there. And then, then the business has to mature as well and, and have the capability, the resources to expand, you know, we're, yeah. we're at a good size right now where, you know, we're not, totally overrun with customers. We have capacity to serve more customers. Um, we have capacity to grow that, that way. And that'll help, you know, once, once that happens, then we could expand with another bay. That's exciting though. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. And, and that technology, were you with us? Was it this shot show or the shop show before? I can't remember. We were talking to some of those manufacturers. It is pretty interesting what's going on. It's just like you're saying, it's a little too expensive right now. But it's, it's pretty cool. It's a little too expensive and there's different, you know, versions of it. Some of it is a, on a sheet of paper that kind of rolls like a scroll. 
that when it gets mm-hmm. shot up, you you roll it down a little bit. It just more rolls through. There's a self healing screen. Interesting, yeah. You know, like That's a little cool. Kevlar or something screen. Yeah. That, you know, after it gets shot a thousand times, you need a new screen. Or, right. But it's the shot. I think the limiting thing is the shot detection. Yeah. Um, technology to see you know where exactly. You know, if, if it's a white paper and one shot goes through it, yeah, you can detect that pretty easily. But there's not, you just it just needs to mature a little more, and the, and then it's got to be affordable too. So yeah, yeah, it it is cool what they're doing, but well, one day with one any day. technology, it'll come down in price and be more available, and then you know who knows who knows what we'll be doing then you know with uh, yeah. with firearms. So. Um, yeah, let's turn it over to Steve. He's got five questions that he asks oh, everybody boy. that we interview. I see. And um, they're thought-provoking. They don't necessarily have to do with firearms or anything like that, so we'll switch gears over to... Are they just yes or no? <laughs> no. Yes, yes, no, no. <laughs> I guess maybe they... How did you get those all? <laughs> Am I right? Did I get it right? You scored 100%. Wow. Um, so wow, that was quick. Steve, let's jump on those five questions. All right. So this first one is uh, red. My favorite color. (laughs) (laughs) Close, close. It's (laughs) I'm a Libra, right? No. Well, what experience in your life has been the most influential, and why? Jeez. Huh. I think. uh, Wow. You know, there's been so many that have been so profound, ranging from. You know, having your parents get divorced when you're a kid, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, getting evicted from your house, you know, those are, those are things when you're a kid, you know, those Mm -hmm. are things that like make you say, geez, I need to, if I don't want this to happen to my family, you know how this sucks. Yeah. You learn almost what not to do instead of what to do. But, but all that stuff, I mean, those are, those are profound influences and they still, affect me today, mm-hmm. you know? So I mean, yeah. I've been there, you know, so not, you know, having, having $1,100 for the rent, but not 1200 and you get evicted, you know, that you're like, dang. Yeah. Yes. You know, now we don't have a place to live. Now dad can't go work. Now we're, you know, dang it. Yeah. Well, I don't have that hundred bucks, you know? And so that's, that's, that, inf- that influences me. And that's, that's been a part, a lot of, you know, how I think about making sure independence stays solvent and that. And, and so I think, uh, you know, and, and then just, you know, kind of wondering about life in general, why we're here, where do we come from? So I, I'd have to say just reading the scriptures and, you know, awesome. You no know, learning about God and his plan for us, his children, his love for us, mm-hmm. that's that's probably been the most profound um, influence in my life and how I think about my relationships with other people and pretty much all of the decisions that I make. You know, I kind of filter th- through that, through my knowledge of my experiences and beliefs in God. Very cool. So say that I that had to be the awesome. biggest that's a great answer all right that's a great all answer. Right. ready for number two yes all right so you you just won the lottery let's say oh, it was man. the hundred million hundred million dollars let's, right let's go, with, like, what? let's go with like 500 million 100 million isn't that much anymore oh. <laughs> okay <laughs> 500 mil okay Whoa. what's the first thing you what's the first thing you do with it and why i'd pay off uh 
pay off the mortgage on independence for sure, <laughs> man. Because I get some good sleep. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I'd, I think I'd do that. Um, I think you know what would I do? I'd pay off debt. I think would I retire? I'd probably quit working in the same capacity that I do mm-hmm. and maybe just do more volunteer work. Like I'd love to do, you know, medical missionary work in Africa or Central America or somewhere. Right. Cause I'd, I'd, l- I'd love to take my kids to do that. Yeah. I, I don't think we mentioned that you do have a day job. <laughs> yeah. I have a day job. <laughs> um, I have a day job. I work in a urology office and, um, so, and I, I had a chance to do that. I had a chance to go to Ethiopia for a couple of weeks back in 2005. Oh, wow. And that was really cool. That was really rewarding. And um, so that's what I think I'd do. You know, I, I would build an airplane. I've, sweet, I've always yeah. wanted to build an airplane. Sweet. Man. And with 500 million, I wouldn't have to choose which one. I could probably choose. <laughs> you, could, you could build a spruce party. goose. I could build a, a light sport, you know, backcountry airplane. I could build a little, that's cool, you know, city to city, a little tiny cruiser or something. So I think I'd love to do that. Yeah. That's cool. I could see you doing that. Yeah. I'd totally do that in a heartbeat, <laughs> man. <laughs> nice. Very cool. That's another great answer. Yeah. You're knocking them out of the park, man. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Now it's time to get a little deeper. Oh, no. Well, yeah. What what is your biggest deeper than the first one? Right. <laughs> uh, this this could get deeper. What's your biggest fear? Oh, I don't. You know, my my I th- I think my biggest fear would be that my family, uh, you know, has a challenge or uh, isn't provided for or. You know, my biggest fear would be something to do with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, the biggest blessing I have in my life is my wife. <laughs> she is awesome. And I, I just been blessed with wonderful children. So I think my biggest fear is that I fail to give them the guidance or the example that <laughs> that they need or deserve um, to, to, you know, help them make good choices. I'm a big believer in learning from other people's experience. And so I like to ask for advice and I try to be open to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I hope, and, and I think there's, there's, that's one thing I've found even with developing independence is so many of the other range owners that I toured and asked questions to and stuff, they were very, very open with their experiences and they told me things they'd do different yeah. Yeah. or what they, what they wish they'd change or, you know, when they do their next one, they're going to do it this way. Right. And, um, I think that's good life advice. I think, uh, you know, we offer advice to our children all the time, but it's usually unsolicited. <laughs> and so it's not, it's not well received, you know? So I think, uh, my biggest hope for my kids and my family would be that they, you know, my children, they learn to ask for criticism mm-hmm. and advice and then consider it, you know, right. everybody else is always right. You, you know, I, I think as a kid, you know, watching what happened with my family and the challenges I had as a kid, there were mostly caused by adults. And so you're told respect your elders and all this stuff, but you can look around and there's a lot of adults who are making crappy decisions. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of kids who are pretty smart and, and they, they got that figured out. And, and so I think, uh, that's uh 
one gift that my early, early life challenges afforded me was to say, Hey, I need to ask for advice. I can learn from other people's mistakes instead of making my own. And I make my own mistakes. Don't get me wrong for <laughs> sure. You know, but it's a lot, sometimes that's painful. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, there's plenty of other people have had plenty of pain. And so I don't need to go through that. Just <laughs> ask them how to avoid it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Another great answer. I don't know if I answered it. What's my greatest fear? I don't know. Yeah, you answered it. All yeah. right. Okay. So now what would you say is your biggest achievement? Oh, man. By, by far, getting Jan to marry me. <laughs> and mean, she, she is no, awesome. No, no, that was it. Was, I don't know. I didn't have to like uh, coerce her or like <laughs> manipulate her or something. But she is that that's been the hugest reward and the biggest blessing in my life. You know, I stayed up the night before I got married, man. I didn't sleep at all. Really? Oh, yeah. And and I was worried, you know, I was worried that she was making the wrong decision. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I thought, you know, what if what if this is, you know, what if I don't make her happy or what if, you know, she should have been with someone else? And uh, so I was really afraid of that. Man, that's that's good and advice. So I'm, that, I'm, yeah, I'm planning know. a wedding and getting married next year. So that's you know, but that was that was that was huge. I think you know, I, I've I've had no greater gift or blessing. You know, I think about all the challenges I've had in life, and um, that blessing just eclipses all of all of the other ones. All of the challenges, and you know, is is a huge reward. Man, so awesome, man. It's a that's another another great yeah. answer. Like like like, bird, she's but. she's the, you know, she might not have been perfect for everyone, but she was the perfect one for me, you know. So we're gonna tell her to listen to the podcast. So, but I, I want to interject real quick with one question. Sure. What did she say when you first told her that you wanted to open a shooting range? Like seriously wanted to open uh, a shooting range? Um. Well, I asked her. You know, I said, "Hey, how would you <laughs> I wanted to start a business," and so she loves Chick Fil A, right? She she's <laughs> lived in she lived in Idaho for you know ten years, yeah. wishing there was a Chick Fil A, right? And so that wasn't a hard sell. I said, "Hey, well, sh you know, that was her idea. Well, what about a Chick Fil A? <laughs> yeah, All right, let's do that. Sweet." And uh, so you know, I told her, uh, I told her I wanted to. I said, "Hey, how would you feel if I did this?" or would it be okay if I did this? And she gave me permission. She said, yeah, it's okay. Um, that's okay. But I, I would say that, that it's been very stressful for her. And I think there's a lot of times where she's regretted, you know, <laughs> giving me the green light and it wasn't, she didn't, you know, the first, I'd say four years of developing it, it was, me, it was, you know, between 10 o'clock at night and three o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Sending emails to people, yeah. responding to emails to people, you know, cause I had a full-time job and I'm kind of busy. And so it was, it was, she wasn't aware of that cause she just figured, you know, she's asleep. She doesn't know what's going on. But I, I, I put in as far as hours and, and effort, I mean, for years, you know, it's a lot of lost sleep, you know, so it's sure. a lot of sweat equity. I feel like there's been a lot of uh, countless hours and effort of sweat equity that she doesn't really see, you know, yeah. and, and 
opening a business like this is taking a risk. And so there's some financial um, insecurity that comes with it. You know, of what course, if something yeah. happens, you know, we've got a lot invested. There's no guarantee that we're going to get any return on that investment. And, you know, it could all go south, you know. So if sure. someone, yeah. if someone came and said, hey, I love your range. I want to buy it. Here's, you know, 10 million bucks. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. I, I think I'd, you know, I, I probably wouldn't mention that that had been said <laughs> to Jan because she would <laughs> she say, let's do it. <laughs> we'll take it, you know? And as, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, she's, she's 99% owner on paper, mm-hmm. you know, because I figure, you know, whatever I do, whatever efforts, I make, those are consecrated to my family. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that this for her, you know, some, and everybody's different, you know, some people go in a relationship and they'll say, Hey, we're 50, 50 and you have your checking account. I have my checking account. And, you know, maybe if, if we split up down the road, you know, you get the stuff that your parents gave you and I'll take the stuff that my parents gave me or, you know, they might, and that's okay. You know, but for me, I feel like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to dedicate, everything I have to them. And so, you know, the, on paper, she owns 99%. I own a percent (laughs) so I can sign things or make decisions or something. Sure. And, and the bank really, you know, owns it. It's right. It's, you know, secured the, the bank loan is secured by the building and stuff, but hopefully someday, you know, we'll, we'll own it. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, I think so. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so. I think so. I'm optimistic. I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all hope so. I, I think, uh, I really hope so. I think it's got a bright future. You know, I, I, in spite of the stress that it's caused my wife and, and me some, but, but a lot, mostly her, um, I think there's still a great upside. And and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do that was I wanted to have something there for my family. You know, if, if I keep working, I can make a living and I can provide for my family, but if something happens to me and I'm gone, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a way that I can still keep taking care of my family because I can leave leave a legacy behind for them. That's really cool, man. So smart too. Yeah. I like it. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Thanks. Um, I think Steve (laughs) has one last question. Um, I have one more and and this is by far my most favorite question. And it's something that, that, that I always think about like for myself, I try to think of this answer and and sometimes it changes, but uh, who would you consider your greatest hero and why? Hmm. Well, you mean besides Jesus Christ? Because he's probably the default answer, right, for a lot of us. Um, yeah, I hope so. He, so he'd be number one. Who'd be my greatest hero? Um, you know, I would say, I would say it's a friend of mine named uh, Santana Reyes. He's he's probably my hero, and he is a. He's a good friend of mine. He grew up in Tijuana. Um, I met mm-hmm. him when I lived in San Diego. He was uh, in my neighborhood. And uh, he grew up with one of 13 kids. Wow. In a, one of these little, you know, shacks on the hillside in Tijuana. His table was uh, a stack of tires with a like a broken piece of wood on the top. Wow. You know, that was like their wow. table. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, and... and uh, 
Um, but he like, uh, he didn't have a lot of opportunity, but like he really wanted to learn. And so he learned, he learned things like, uh, um, how to play chess. And by the time he was high school age, he took second place in like the state chess champion of the whole state of wow. the whole state of Baja California. You know? So, so when I met him, he was living in a trailer, um, in San Diego and he had a job as a, a janitor mm-hmm. and, um, it was a night job and he was trying to learn English cause his dream was to be a math teacher. He's like, if I, if I could do mm-hmm. anything, I would teach math, but he'd say it in Spanish cause right. he, he didn't speak any English, you know? And so he'd study English. Um, he was married. His wife, Sandra would help him with his English. And before like long, after a few months at his job, he did such a good job. He was a supervisor oh, wow. of, of the janitors of like the team. Right. Yeah. And this building had three plant engineers like that. If the, you know, air conditioning broke or, you know, th- that maintained the whole systems of the whole building. Right. So after like, yep. he would always offer to help the plant engineer. And after like a year, about, about 18 months, one of the plant engineers retired and uh-huh. these guys had degrees. Right. Yeah. And so they hired Santana to be, and by this time he was speaking, okay, English. Sure. He got to be a plant engineer at this building. Wow. And so he likes making great wow. money. Yeah, man. And I'd see him and he'd have a new car, you know? Yeah. And then I'd see him the next time. I'd be like, hey, man, where's your new truck? And he's like, I gave it to my father because he did not have a way to get to work. You oh, know, wow. you know, like, yeah. So, like, he he's making pay- payments on it to you. And I, no, I gave it to him for a gift. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> and I see him with another, I see him with another new car. And then I wouldn't. And yeah. I'd be like, dude, who'd you give your car to this time? And, he, <laughs> I'm, and he's still living in his, like, his one bedroom trailer. Well, wow. then, like, uh, the, elevator mechanics would come to this building and the Mm -hmm. elevator guild is like, it's like a guild and there's no elevator college. Like to get in, you have to know someone, Okay, you you know, so the elevator mechanics would come and, and he'd hang around and say, Hey, do you need anything? And he'd help them like, you know, do their job and get their stuff done. And like, after a couple years, they were like, Hey man, you know, would you ever be interested in being an elevator guy. Yeah. And he's like, sure. You know? Okay. So, so then he, he became an apprentice, he became an elevator guy. And then like, but, but the whole time he was doing this, he got a degree in in, in English. Cause he's going to night school at the college. Wow, right? man. This so guy he, never, get, yeah. he gets a college degree in English. Well then, do, do, so he's the elevator mechanic. Yeah. And then, uh, the, the, the supervisor over 14 elevator mechanics, retires and that that position requires a four-year degree well guess what no elevator mechanic has a four-year degree degree. but santana you know so now he's like that's so cool i'm like now you know i mean he just kind of rose to the ranks but it was you know his humility his diligence and working hard and self-sacrifice to just you know and the generosity generosity man he was he was just always so kind to everyone and that's cool. You know, it's just weird watching him to rise to the top. And then, you know, he did that for a few years and a lot of the mechanics resented him, you know, cause oh, they're like, really? I've been a mechanic for 20 years and you've been a mechanic for three years. And now you're my supervisor. Yeah. And I you're can a see Mexican that. dude. Huh? Yeah. There's you know? probably so, some of that too. So he like, after a while he was like, he, he felt bad enough that like, he was like, 
I think I'm going to switch over and be like a grant, like a building manager, you know? So oh, he like okay. switched out cause he felt like, I don't know, he was making too much money and didn't, you know, I was like, what, man, I don't know. But that's so crazy. I'd say, I'd say he's probably my hero. Another yeah, man for sure. Another good friend of mine, Josh Anderson, a lot of, you know, ex Marine and a lot, a lot of his sacrifice for his family. I think watching people sacrifice for their family is something that's pretty cool. That's pretty I like admirable. That. Yeah, for I like sure. that. And like, you know, could I say Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or some of those guys is, is a, my hero? No. Like if I see someone who's kind to someone else, that's my hero. Cool, man. That's, that's a great, another. So just aced it. I think you aced it, Jared. Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think, All I right. think, um, well, that's, I think we'll, mm-hmm. uh, we'll close on that because we, I think that you've got uh, the Did longest podcast burnt, ever. I burned it. Yeah. You no, like, no, you didn't. At this point, no one's listening, guys. <laughs> oh, man, you did great. Uh, thank you so, so much for, for taking some time. Um, hey, no problem. Thanks for the invitation. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed doing this. You guys, I think it's, yeah. it's great for the community. It's great for, you know, people to come together and have these kind of talks. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, one of the goals of the podcast is to have a, a place to have long form conversations about, you know, firearms and, and everything else. It seems like we, we always end up talking about life too. So we're all people, right? We have personalities. And that was the other reason when we have guests, like, and those questions is to bring out the personality of those people, not just the stuff yeah. that they know. Yeah. We're all human at, at the end of the day. So, but yeah, we'll, so. we'll close on that. Jared, thank okay, you so, so much. I hope, uh, hope you enjoyed. And uh, thank you, Jared. If you have a question um, that uh, we didn't ask Jared, uh, you can shoot us an email podcast at iishooting.com or find us on Facebook, and Instagram at range minded. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you on again. If you'll, uh, if you'll be welcome. Yeah. Happy to. So, okay. That'd be Call awesome. Us. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Ciao. All right. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. Find us online at Range Minded Podcast on Facebook or send us an email at podcast at iishooting.com. We're always happy to get feedback, episode suggestions, whatever you want to send us, really. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.